Well, this is usually the time of service I'd have you stand and uh, greet one another, and we're going to do that in a few minutes, but I just want to explain how this morning is going to probably be a little bit different uh, than you're used to. Uh, The best way to explain it is if you haven't read the bulletin column on the back, uh, you can uh, read that and know what's about to happen. But essentially, we're in a series in the book of Galatians called Free, and we've come to a section in the book of Galatians where Paul is giving his testimony or he's giving his story and so I kind of decided what better a way for us to go through this text than to invite Paul himself to be here with us okay that can't happen uh, but I am going to basically be preaching this text from Paul's perspective I'm not going to be acting I'm not wearing a costume or anything like that uh, but I'm just going to ask you to suspend your imagination that a six foot four German could play a small <laughs> Jewish man and just imagine I just tried to put myself into his shoes. If I were telling this story from his perspective, how would that come out? And so that's uh, what I'm going to do after the greeting. I still encourage you to grab your Bible and turn to this section in Galatians. You're going to be able to follow along uh, with what I'm doing. And I left some space for you on your message notes. I will say, after I'm done giving his story, we'll come back and uh, I'll be myself. And uh, we'll kind of take some observations away from this text as well. Okay, so that's what's about to happen. So when I come back, I'm Paul or when you come back from greeting one another, I'm Paul, all right? So why don't you stand and say hi to one another? Well, good morning. My name is Paul. As you know, other people at one time called me Saul, and it truly is a privilege for me to be with your church this morning. My understanding is right now you're studying the letter that I wrote to the Galatian churches. That's pretty amazing for me to think that something I wrote almost 2,000 years ago is still being read and studied in churches today. But I guess when I think about what I actually wrote in this letter, it's probably not that surprising. You see, the reason I wrote this letter to the Galatians is because some false teachers had begun to infiltrate the church there and they had been preaching a gospel other than grace. They removed the grace from the gospel, which means they removed the peace as well. At its heart, they were saying that the gospel was incomplete unless we added something like the law or circumcision or Moses or whatever. And so I needed to write this church. No sooner, by the way, did I leave these churches than these false teachers came. And that happened all throughout my life. Whether I was preaching in a town and these people would come and follow me or I would leave after planting the church, they were... soon to follow because they couldn't stand the gospel that I preached. They believed that we had to add something to our message, and the way they did that was began to question my authority as one of the apostles. They began to say that I had received this message from human teachers, that I had received it from the other apostles, and that I was now distorting it, that it wasn't the gospel message that the other apostles were teaching. And the Galatian church was falling for it head over heels. Why? I... I'll never know. And so I wrote this letter to clear up any confusion here. Listen, the gospel is not Jesus plus something. The gospel is and always will be salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. That is the heart of what I needed to write to this church. Surely, some of you know that my message could not have come from another person, as these claimed. It didn't come from the apostles. It didn't come from any human being. My message came from direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. Some of you know who I was before I met Christ. 
I believed everything about this Jesus person and these people who claimed he was Messiah needed to be destroyed. I spent my life destroying them. Maybe you've heard of Stephen, one of the early leaders of the church. I'm the one who was standing there when they stoned him to death, giving my full approval of what was going on. These Christians needed to die. And the reason I believed that is because of what I believed. I believed, number one, that God had chosen the Jews as his people, and only the Jews, period. Number two, I believed that God had given us his law, his holy law, as a way for us to be made right with God. I mean, that's what all religion is, right? Working our way, earning our way in order to be approved by God. And that's what I lived my life for. Number three, I believe that these Christians who were teaching that salvation came through any other way but by the law needed to be destroyed. And so that's what I did. The word you might use to describe me was that I was zealous in my beliefs. I studied with the best rabbi of the day, and my goal in life was to become a rabbi myself of this faith that I knew to be true. And study, I did. And so when this group of people came along saying that the law no longer held any sway, that that is not how one is saved, that one is saved somehow in this person and his work on the cross named Jesus, I knew they had to die. I had to put an end to this until one day, in God's amazing grace, which is something I didn't know a lot about, He chose me. He chose me, the Jew of all Jews, a religious zealot fighting to the death for the law to become an apostle. And not just any apostle. The apostle to the Gentiles. You can't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> I remember that day uh, like it was yesterday. I was on my way to Damascus to do what I had been already doing, destroying the church, destroying the Christians in that city. When all of a sudden on the road a bright light shone on me, I hit the deck, my knees, and I couldn't see. I was blind. I didn't know what was going on when all of a sudden I hear this voice from heaven say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I didn't know whose voice that was, so I said, who are you, Lord? And the words that came next couldn't have been more shocking. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. Now get up. Go into the city. Someone I am sending is going to pray for you and restore your sight because I have called you to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Friends, for these teachers to come into these churches and say that my gospel was revealed to me by human beings is just crazy. Before I had that encounter with Christ, do you know what my life was like? My whole life was bent on destroying this message. And now I encountered Christ and he called me to preach the message. My whole life was bent on destroying the church, but in this encounter, Jesus called me to build and plant his church. My whole life was about obeying the law, but he showed me I needed grace. This isn't 
my message from the apostles. This is my message from Jesus Christ himself. Now you can imagine at first people were a little bit skeptical about this change, and I don't blame them. I'll never forget Ananias. Poor guy. He's the one that God had asked to go and pray for me while I was in Damascus. Can you imagine being in his shoes still today? I am amazed at the faith that he demonstrated. He was shaking a little bit from what I understand when he entered into the room, but he did what God asked him to do. He laid his hands on me. He prayed over me, and my sight was restored. At that moment, I was baptized. And I began to do what I thought I was supposed to do immediately. I began to preach this message of the gospel. And the city was really confused. Obviously, I had come to destroy them. Now I'm preaching the message. And my friends were going, what in the world has happened to them? And they knew that something dangerous was going on. And so they plotted to kill me. The person who had come to kill Christians was now being sought out to kill. So these Christians... They did the only thing they could do is they put me in a basket and they lowered me over the city wall. You want to talk about an embarrassing moment in my life. I realized that I probably wasn't ready. I probably wasn't ready yet to fulfill this call. And so for the next three years, I spent time in Arabia. It's right around the area of Damascus. And there God began to prepare me inwardly. He opened up the scriptures to me to see how Christ truly was the fulfillment of the law and everything that had come before. So for three years, God began to work on my heart and my call to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Listen, it wasn't until after those three years that I made my first trip to Jerusalem and then I only went for like 15 days. And the only apostles I saw there were James and Peter. So for these false teachers to tell you that I'm not a real apostle called by Jesus Christ or that somehow I have been taught by human beings and I am distorting the message is just nonsense. After those 15 days, I headed up north to do what I knew God had called me to do, to preach to the Gentiles, to plant churches like in this area of Galatia. And that's exactly what I did for 14 years until I knew one day I needed to make an official trip to Jerusalem. My first official trip. So don't tell me that these apostles are the ones who gave me this message. Fourteen years into my life and my ministry, I made my way back to Jerusalem. And the reason for that was very simple. The false teachers that I've been telling you about have been making their way all throughout the churches in the area, causing utter confusion and chaos among the churches. So I knew I needed to go to Jerusalem along with those false teachers who were going there because the apostles were gathering to meet about this decision. Are we saved by faith? Through the grace of God alone, or do we need to add something to our salvation? I brought Barnabas and Titus along with me. Many of you know Barnabas, I assume. His name literally means son of encouragement. I couldn't think of a better description of Barnabas. The guy's always encouraging. Barnabas is the one who came alongside me first. He's really the first to trust that my conversion experience was real. And he partnered with me as we did ministry together in the city of Antioch. And the leaders at the church there uh, blessed us and they sent us out, Barnabas and me, to do what they knew God had called us to do, to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's Barnabas. Titus, maybe you don't know quite as well. Titus was a full-blooded Gentile believer who came to faith through our preaching. 
Titus would later become one of my best friends and most trusted confidants. He's a co-worker in Christ. I don't know how to say it. Let me just brag on Titus a little bit. I've never met such a gifted pastor. Don't tell him I'm telling you this, but I often would send Titus to some of the most troubled churches because I knew he had a way of bringing calm from chaos. That's Titus. And I'll let you in on a little secret. It was no accident that I brought Titus along with me to this council in Jerusalem. You see, the issue that was at hand, what I'm telling you about, was the gospel, right? Did a Gentile believer like Titus need to add something to his faith? We can't just talk in abstract terms about grace and salvation. I brought a real-life Full-blooded Gentile, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the issue at hand in this council is, is Titus saved by faith alone through the grace of Jesus Christ? Or, as these teachers were teaching, did he need to add something? Did he need to add something for his salvation? Do you realize what the stakes were at this council? I think we don't really realize today on one hand you had these false teachers claiming the gospel is Jesus plus something. It can't be that easy. It can't be just a gift for our salvation. So they argued for circumcision. They argued Moses. They argued the law. We have to follow those things to add to our salvation. On the other side stood people like me and Barnabas who knew the truth of the gospel. We know that salvation is by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. I brought Titus, not by accident, but on purpose. And I want to tell you something. If the apostles had decided at this council that these false teachers were right, everything that we had done in the last 14 years together would have been in vain. Everything. I'll tell you something else. You wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't know the grace of Jesus Christ because Christianity, as it was known then, would have simply become another sect of Judaism. Those were the stakes. Those were the stakes. You can read all about this council and my great friend Dr. Luke's uh, account of it in Acts chapter 15, but to make a long story short, things got a little bit heated. Maybe you've read some of my other letters. You know I can get a little bit heated at times, right? I get a little bit angry in this letter to the Galatians, but I want to say something. It's not just for the sake of getting anger. The only time I get angry is when the truth of the gospel is at stake. I have no tolerance for these teachers who come in and distort the gospel that we've been given. I know today you live in a culture of tolerance. In many ways, tolerance can be a good thing. As Christians, we should be known as people who know how to deal with differences with one another. But I'm going to say it. When it comes to the truth of the gospel, that salvation is by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ, we should have no tolerance. If I or any other pastor were to stand up here and preach a gospel other than salvation is by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ, then may I be condemned. That's the gospel. It's the good news. Adding anything to that simply makes it bad news. It makes it religion, which is the very thing Christ came to free us from. So what happened? 
Well, to make a, a long story really short, two things happened of note in my life. First of all, the apostles added nothing to our message. They added nothing to our message. Why? Because it's the same message that they are preaching. The gospel is and always will be. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. They added nothing to the message we were preaching because it's the same message they were preaching to these false teachers. They said, no. The gospel is not Christ plus something else. Christ plus Moses. Christ plus the law. Christ plus circumcision. The gospel is the grace of God. The second result was that they gave Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship. I know you don't use that language around here anymore today, but essentially all that means is they sent us out with their full blessing. They acknowledged that I too had been called as an apostle equal to them. My call was a little different than some of their calls. They were called to preach the gospel to the Jews. I had been called and set apart from birth to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Same message. Same message, just a different call. The only thing they asked is that we would remember the poor, which we were glad to do. It's one of the reasons we came in the first place. Friends, as I finish my story with you this morning, I want to leave you with the same message I left with the Galatians. Do you know? Do you know you can add nothing to the gospel? That when you do, you are simply putting yourselves back into bondage so don't listen to these false teachers who come along and say that you are not saved the gospel is and always will be the fact that salvation is by grace alone through faith in jesus christ the reason i share my story the reason i share my testimony is because i am living proof of that fact god could take the most religious person a zealot for the law and reveal to him i of all people needed grace more than anyone else and yet he could take the worst of all sinners a murderer of god's people and say to me my grace is still available to you god doesn't love you because of what you do for him he loves you because he loves you we call that grace do you know it my name is Paul, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. Are you free? You can be. All right, I'm back. <laughs> Thanks for uh, allowing me to, to do that, and I just hope maybe that gives us a different perspective on this story. I was preparing this week and three things really struck me that I kind of wanted to end this morning with three observations I make from Paul's testimony from his story number one if you're gonna use your notes this would be a place to do that there is tremendous power in sharing our faith stories there is tremendous power in sharing our faith stories you know I count I'm, I might be wrong about this but by my count Paul shares his testimony his story at least four other times in scriptures besides here in Galatians. And the reason for that is because he realizes that his story is a living example of God's grace. I mean, he, he could talk abstractly about grace. He could 
go on these big theological arguments about grace, but he realizes there is tremendous power in him simply sharing his story that God, as I said, could take the most religious zealot and reveal to him that he needed God's grace more than anyone and the worst of all sinners and say to him still that grace is available to you. God's grace is available to everyone who will believe, and that's why Paul shares his story so often. That preaches, doesn't it? That preaches, I believe with all my heart still today. The most significant sharing of the gospel that goes on is when you and I, when you and I are ready and willing and able to share our stories of faith. To share our stories of God's grace. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 3.15. Let's read it out loud. It says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I mean, what better way for us to give people the reason for our hope than to share our stories of before we met Christ, our encounter with Christ, and what Christ has done since we've met him. I mean, Paul gives us a great model there. Every time he shares his story, he just keeps it simple. Three things. Here's what I was like before I met Christ. Here's what my encounter with Christ was like. Here's how my life has changed. I think we can follow that model. In fact, if you're on your notes, most of us have a before, an encounter, and an after that we can share. A before, an encounter, and an after we can share. I'm not talking about anything complicated here. I'm talking one to two minutes of here's what I was like before I encountered Christ. Here's how Christ changed my mind, and here's what my life has been like since then. Now, I've had many of you say my conversion was more of a process. That's fine. I believe God can use those as well equally. All I would say is, are there an area in your life or are there areas in your life where he has done some transforming work that you could use that as the basis for your story? Do you know what you would say to someone if they asked you why you're a Christian? If in fact you are a Christian, knowing your story would be a great place to start. So on the back of your notes, if this is helpful, it may not be. I've included a little exercise there for you. This is the model that Paul used. I think it's still a model that we can use uh, today. Before, encounter, after. Hopefully that can help some of us to write our stories. Now, my second observation is directly related to that one, which is number two. Our stories of faith often open a door to tell God's story. Our stories of faith often open up a door to tell God's story. Paul never, ever shared his story just to say, look at me. Look at God's grace in my life. No, 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 no. He always used it as a launch pad to be able to share an even greater story, this story we call the gospel story, that God became human being for us, that we no longer have to try to please God and work our way up to God. That's the heart of every religion that exists. Instead, God did the work on our behalf by taking our sin on a Roman cross so that you and I, by faith, can receive his gift of grace forever. Paul always used his story to tell an even greater story. If you're following on your notes there, God's story is this. Christ rescued us through his work, not ours. Christ rescued us through his work, not ours. Do you know that? Are you still trying and trying and finding yourself in bondage and not experiencing 
the freedom he wants you to have. And that really leads to my last observation, number three, the purpose of both stories. Why share his story? Why share God's story? It's because his whole life was aimed at trying to set people free in God's grace. Paul wanted to set people free in God's grace. He didn't, grace, he didn't tell his story to glorify himself. He always told it as an opportunity to tell an even greater story of Christ's redemption for you and me so that people could be set free once and for all from this ridiculous idea that somehow, some way, if I just work hard enough, if I just add the law, if I just add Moses, if I just add circumcision, if I just add going to church more, if I just add praying more, if I just add reading the Bible more, Jesus plus, Jesus plus, Jesus plus, we all do that naturally as human beings. And Paul says, That doesn't mean those things don't become important to growing in who we are in Christ. The rest of the letter, Paul's going to address some of that, but we do those things with a different attitude as Christians now, don't we? We do them out of gratitude. We do them knowing that He came to give me the abundant life. And those things will help me get there. We do not do them like the Galatians were doing them to try to prove ourselves to God to try to earn His grace and His salvation somehow. That is not the Gospel. That is religion. And Christianity is anything but a religion. It is the truth that salvation is by grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ, and it is available to everyone who will believe. I truly believe if somehow we could bring Paul back here this morning, he would ask the question I had him ask before I, I stopped, which is, have you been set free? Have you been set free from that ridiculous burden that we were never meant to carry as human beings, that burden that is only meant to point us to the cross of Jesus Christ? I believe he would want us all to be able to answer that last line on the notes there. Although I'll say the second to last nine. <laughs> you, have you been set free from understanding that being accepted by God depends entirely on God's grace? Be done with it. Be done with trying to prove yourself and receive the gospel through faith. And you can say, like Paul, if you're following there, my name is blank. And by God's grace... The gospel has set me free. Can you say that? Is that your story? My name is Mary, Joe, Pete, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. We're going to have an opportunity right now to hear stories of how God's grace is still setting people free right here in our church. We're going to have nine testimonies. We heard Paul's. And we've invited uh, these people to come and share their stories as well. This is a big deal. We're going to be listening to this for the next 14 minutes or so. But man, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to be inspired. You're going to be encouraged. Let me pray before they begin. Lord, we thank you for taking someone like Paul, the most religious person who tried to earn his way up to you and revealing that he needed grace more than anyone. And the worst of all sinners, as he called himself, and revealing that your grace is still available to him. Lord, help us as we now listen to these amazing stories of how you are still changing lives today, how you are still setting people free to be encouraged 
There is power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we all agreed and said, amen. My name is Emily Mosier. And by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. I don't remember much of a time before I chose to follow Christ. I heard the gospel and accepted Jesus when I was six years old, and I grew up in a family that always went to church, read the Bible, and put a premium on serving others. Like Paul, I was very religious, and I was very good at it. In high school, my family became involved with a very religious organization. They preached a different gospel. Wear these clothes, listen to this music, follow these principles, and you'll be an acceptable Christian. At first, it felt good to have rules to follow, but it quickly became a time of darkness and despair as I failed to live up to all those principles. When we finally left that group, I remember a day sitting in a room in our new house on a box, saying to the Lord, if this is what being a Christian is about, I don't want any part of it. Then, across the ticker of my mind, the Holy Spirit began to speak, reminding me of the true gospel, of his love and faithfulness. He gave me the verse of Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. From that day forward, I chose to follow Christ, to seek him, and nothing else. The freedom that I have experienced since then is amazing. There are times when I stumble back into old patterns of striving, but I always return to the cross and resurrection. I remember that the blood of Jesus is my all, and that to add to that is no gospel at all. When I remember that, the pressure comes off, and I am free to love and follow Jesus again. My name is Mike Wendell, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. Before I met Christ, I had total trust and faith in myself. I was Mike-centered and self-reliant. My goals and pursuits were all about achieving the American dream all the way to a, an early retirement. I got so focused on this over my first 45 years of life that I rarely considered God's role in this or his plans for me. I badly wanted and needed a change. This is how I met Christ. One day, driving by Cherry Hills, I felt a compelling urge to visit, <clears throat> and I did so on the next Sunday. I'm sure this visit was initiated by God. My heart and mind were open to the gospel. This led to a series of wonderful events and relationships which brought me to accept Christ into my life. Since knowing Christ, I am trusting more and relying more on God. I am more Christ-centered. I am devoted to pursuing what is lasting over what is temporary and I have begun to store up my treasures in heaven. My name is Erica Garrison, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. Before I met Christ, I lived my life the way I wanted, doing what I thought I needed to get into heaven. I had a great life according to society. I had a successful job, a beautiful new home, a new car, and all those fun things. I went to church every Sunday, gave my offering, and didn't curse. But I found myself always trying to be better, to get the next best thing, to outdo my friends and colleagues. I wanted to be perfect, perfect in everyone's eyes, even God's. However, no matter how hard I tried, I could never fulfill this desire. Something was always missing. This is how I met Christ. 
I had a great friend who encouraged me to go to a Bible study, but I was uncomfortable talking in front of people about things I knew little about, and God was definitely up there on that list. Eventually, after some time and life-changing events, I realized I no longer knew what was best for my life since everything I chose always ended up in heartache and pain. I decided to give God control of my life. I did eventually go to that Bible study, and I met some great people from Cherry Hills. As I started getting more involved at church, my life changed significantly over many months. I learned for the first time as I learned about Christ, I, I learned about who Christ was and that he was my savior. I felt freedom for the first time, as if I had died and was born again. All of my sorrows, worries, and regrets were gone. My desire to be perfect was no longer there. I slowly started to feel convicted about the songs I listened to, people I hung out with, and conversations I was having. Something was different. My life was no longer about living it as I wanted, but as Christ wanted me to. My desires switched. I wanted to make a difference in other people's lives. Since knowing Christ, I no longer have the burdens of my sins and the desire to be the best. I now have peace. I am finally happy and free, living my life for Christ. The worries are gone as I now realize Christ's plan will play out how it is supposed to, regardless of what I want, and I have learned to be okay with that. Since knowing Christ, my life is not perfect, but I'm okay with it. My mom no longer speaks to me because of my new choices in my life. Instead of, of being angry at her, I feel sorrow for her. I pray for her. What else can give me peace in a situation of such anger and pain? Nothing except the grace and peace of God. I'm finally free, just the way he wanted. My name is Blake Henderson, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. About four years ago, I was pretty far from God. I spent a lot of time drinking with friends, spending too much time at fraternity and sorority houses on my college campus, and getting into trouble. I had a carefree job at a golf course where I could play unlimited golf, and I was very rebellious. I didn't care much for what anyone wanted for my life. I was slowly becoming a shadow of the old Blake, who would go to church every Sunday with his parents. In fact, church was non-existent in my life. I hadn't gone for about a year, and when I did go, I thought it was annoying to say hello to the people I had grown up with in church. My low point came in the form of a fight with a good friend. We both ended up in the hospital. The disappointment in my mom and dad's face made me think twice about my choices. For the next six weeks, with encouragement from friends and family, I decided to attend a local church and actually listen to what the preacher was saying, which was new for me. On the sixth week, I heard just the right sermon that sent me into tears. Jesus Christ showed me I could do nothing without him, and I, had, I, and I rededicated my life to the Lord. Since then, I have not been perfect by any means, but things have turned around. I feel the Lord convinced me to end a two-year two relationship with a girl that was not Christ-centered. I moved to Springfield and found Cherry Hills. I met a ton of awesome people and young adults, got a good job, became part of a ministry called Young Life, and got into a men's Bible study by what seems like a miracle. On top of that, I met an amazing, God-fearing woman and am now married as of this year. Through my transition, my brother-in-law and sister constantly encouraged me. Never once did I feel judged. Uh, good role models were huge. Life throws so many curves, and sometimes you need to take a leap of faith and leave what is familiar and comfortable. As long as you're keeping Christ in the forefront of your heart, he will take care of every need and bring so much joy into your life. And he has done for me.
My name is Kay Smith, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. In 1930, I was placed in an orphanage, and for what reason, I do not know. When I was 13 months old, God placed me with a wonderful Christian family. I was introduced to Jesus at a very early age by my family and their friends. I accepted Jesus as my Savior and was baptized when I was nine years old. God had shown me in so many different ways how much he loved me, and I wanted to follow in his way and put, his, put him first in my life and then others before me. In my teen years, it was a different life. I had some very, very hard decisions to make, but I know that Jesus was always there to help me and that he would not forsake me. Then when I got a little older, God directed me to a wonderful Christian man, Marvin Smith, to be my husband. It was in 1954 that God led us to Cherry Hills Baptist Church, where he provided us with very outstanding Bibles, teachers, and ministers to help us to grow in our faith and in the ways we should live and work for him. Then God gave us two wonderful sons to share our love with and teach them about Jesus. Then he added grandsons and great-grandchildren. Since my loving Marvin has gone to be with his Heavenly Father, my faith has grown even more. I spend more time with God and his word, praying, talking, and thanking him for the blessed life that he has given me for so many years. When Jesus comes, I pray that my name is in the book of life and I can live forever with my Heavenly Father. Thank you. <clears throat> my name is T.C. Rush, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. Before I met Christ, well, if you can imagine walking in a room with the, with the lights off in total darkness, well, then that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Sure, I had fun. I did whatever I wanted. But in the path of destruction, I hurt people. I was a cheater, a liar, and the list goes on. I always just thought just being a good person and believing was enough. <clears throat> End result was a failed first marriage on my way to a second failed marriage being an average father and an okay friend. This is how I met Christ. In November 2010, I was about to lose my marriage due to infidelity and a poor attitude. I prayed for God to work in me. I didn't even know how to pray. I just simply asked for help. But I'm telling you, I heard him say, I'm here, take my hand. The next day, my wife and I talked for hours. She listened and supported me. And I still say to this day that that was God using her voice because he spoke through her. Since knowing Christ, I've become the man I wanted to be. The father I was raised to be. And the husband my wife deserved. And a friend with truth behind me. 
I can't even explain how my marriage, my family, and my business have grown. I've made it my duty to help others come to know Christ. I am a work in progress, and I trip and fall daily. I know what it takes to get back up and keep going, though. In November 20, 2010, we began attending Cherry Hills. In 2011, Aaron and I were baptized together. I praise God for saving my life, and I thank my wife, Aaron, for taking this journey with me. We are, we are proud, proud to, to boast, boast in Christ, Christ and, and we, we praise God, God the gospel has set, set us free. Hello, my name is Ellie Alexander, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. Before Christ, I knew who God was and had knowledge of him, but I didn't have a relationship with him. So my sports and glory became mine. I was basically living in the Alexander world. This is how I met Christ. God has used multiple people in my life to get me where I am today and keep me on the right track. My best friend was diagnosed with leukemia in eighth grade. She battled hard throughout the entirety of that year. Throughout her many struggles and treatments, my eyes were opened. Her family was faithful, selfless, and knew the power of God firsthand. It was the Wilmarth family who displayed what a Christian looks like. But what really got me was SCA camp that summer, after she had passed away. I thought I knew what it meant to be a Christian going into that camp. The whole week, I learned sides of God I never knew. More importantly, I learned that I had been living for the world and its desires rather than God. But it was as if my eyes were open to the life God intends for us, relying on his power and giving him all the glory. Since inviting Christ into my life, I've become more involved in the youth ministry and FCA. Through those ministries, God has completely rocked my world and changed my character. I went from being prideful and playing for the glory of myself to practicing humility by worshiping God through the sports I play. By looking through the lenses of Christ, I have developed an optimistic attitude, knowing that I have been set free by his ultimate sacrifice. Most of all, since inviting Christ into my life, I have become confident in knowing that following him is so worth it, and my future is in his hands. My name is Brian Schwartz, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. Before I met Christ, I lived the rock and roll lifestyle. I played in a band in Seattle. I had long hair. I smoked, drank excessively. There were girls and partied all night long. The closest I came to Christ was probably going to a striper concert. Jesus was the furthest thing from my mind. I even went as far as to say that I didn't believe the Bible, that it was just man-made stories. This is how I met Christ. I moved back to Illinois from Seattle to be near my family again. The band thing didn't work out, and God was already beginning to change my life. I met my future wife, and we began dating. <clears throat> Shortly after that, her mother passed away suddenly. As badly as she missed her mom, I often heard my wife say, I couldn't get through this without my faith and knowing my mom's faith. I got to witness firsthand the healing power of God and knew my life would never be the same. Since knowing Christ, my life has been a complete 180. God took this long-haired, drinking, partying, loud, obnoxious rocker headed for destruction and turned him into a faithful husband, a loving father, and a messenger for Christ. He opened my eyes to his immeasurable grace and mercy, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Good morning. My name is Richard Syverson, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. I was born into a home where my dad and mom 
each loved Jesus Christ and had taken him as their savior. It wasn't until I was in high school that I made a decision to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I realized that I could not become a child of God by my parents' faith. I went to a Christian college and during chapel one day, the, the speaker challenged us to read the book of Philippians every day for a month. I said, I can do that. Toward the end of a month of reading Philippians, I prayed one evening that God would show me what, that, what to do for a vocation. The Lord made it clear to me that I should become a teacher of mathematics. The Lord and I went through the Moses dialogue about why I should not become a math teacher. <laughs> I remembered that my father had told me, never accept God's second best in your life. I'll never regret saying yes to God to become a teacher. Janice and I were married in 1965 and the Lord gave us three boys. Every day when the boys would go to school, Janice would pray with them before they left, even with a neighbor child. In time, all three of our sons would receive Christ as their savior and are following him in their lives. We now have six grandchildren and oldest two uh, are, have Christ as their savior, the others four are, are too young. Last fall when Janice was so sick with her brain tumor, we could see the hand of God providing for Janice by opening dates for surgery, the right doctors, the best care we could find, and knowing that she was in God's will. After she died, I can say that it was the grace of God that gave us strength to go day by day. You can't tell me God's grace isn't still setting people free. Would you thank them for sharing their What's your story? My name is Steve Patsy, and by God's grace, the gospel has set me free. Though I accepted Christ at the age of seven, I would never have described my relationship with God as one of freedom. I believe what the false teachers taught, that I had to add something to my salvation in order to make myself acceptable to God, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, until one day, reading the very letter we're studying right now together as a church, I discovered that God viewed me as a son, not a slave. And since that day, I have lived what I call the abundant life with Jesus Christ. Not that I'm perfect, as all of them said, we stumble and fall each and every day, but I hope you know God's grace isn't just for salvation, it's for each and every day that we walk with Him, and I am living proof of that. What's your story? The reason we have these stories of amazing grace is because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross the choir, as you can see, is about to sing a song about the blood. It's the blood that made us right with God. That's our story. That's the gospel. So as they sing, we want to give you some time and space to consider your story, what it is and what it might be. I even feel led if you feel like you need to come down to these steps for any reason to just come and pour your heart out to God as these words are being sung. I invite you to do that. But what's your story? God wants nothing more than to set you free today. <laughs> 